2100 Season three of the 2100 podcast. Another one. I am your host, Jason Peters. I am a journalist and writer based out of Philadelphia. 2100 is the podcast series meant to be listened to by the people of the year 2100. So if you're alive in 2021 and you don't like this show, don't worry. This isn't fucking for you. Uh, but if you do like the show, please subscribe, review, and share. This episode of 2100 is meant to focus on the first six months of 2020. The reason I'd like to focus on this is because, well, the show is primarily about time and perspective, and I wanted to give the first six months of 2020 time to marinate for the present listeners and for the people of the year 2100 to give a full perspective on the year we've had, and because... It's a historically significant year, much more so than like 2007 or 1996, you know what I mean? Living in 2020 felt like living through history, or at least my proximity to history made me feel that way, but that stuff's for another episode. In this episode, I will have six guests on for 10 minutes each, one for each month of the first six months of 2020. Pretty straightforward. We'll be talking COVID, racial strife, expectations for the future, recapping news events that we forgot, and speaking to experts and civilians about the first six months of 2020. To start off the show, we'll be speaking to my younger cousin, Jimmy, a South Philly native who actually got me a job during this pandemic when I needed it. So, Here's a clip of my cousin cursing on the news while wearing an eye patch, followed by our discussion about January 2020. Another one. Another one. But I'm drowning in your veins. It's never gonna be the same. It's never gonna be the same. Cause you like to pretend that we're all in just friends. Yeah, that shit hurt real bad. Yeah, that shit hurt real bad. about four in the morning get and then you go straight in yeah and go right in this year I'm like you know what? i'm gonna stay low so january 1st every year for you is you do the mummer stuff yeah. for for the my audience favorite, favorite part favorite time for the people that don't know what mummers are 
talk to me about that because there's probably a lot of people listening that yeah, don't understand don't. the Mummers. I mean, how do I explain it? I mean, one, it's just a parade, basically. Everyone's, you have people, you have wenches, the comics, and the fancies. There's three different divisions, yeah. brigades. Um, basically, you just, they march. Now, the fancies are the big ones. Their, their suits are really expensive. They do performances at the convention center. And is this for any reason? Celebrate the new year? I mean, listen, it's been going on for over 100 years now. Yeah, but yeah, so it's just a tradition. But just I, a tradition. I, it's only people people outside of Phillies don't know about it. No, so I it's like these big, outs, expensive outfits, uh, and you march down. Is it broad? Used to be broad. Not Now you just march down, like JFK Boulevard now. Yes. You got to just go right, took it off Broad Street, just march right down JFK Boulevard. Go uh, perform in front of City Hall, then you just march back to your club, and then just a day full of drinking. Yeah. Uh, I I did a similar thing to you. I stayed in. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we just drank a bunch of whiskey at my old apartment. And then I woke up the next day. And all according right, to these pictures, uh, I was down by the art museum drinking all day. And then I got tacos. Uh, but I remember meandering throughout the city. Now, next year, 2021, mummers are canceled. Yeah, I know. It's disgusting. <laughs> I didn't want to. I, I didn't think. This whole thing would be going on that long, so it's it's very depressing. Uh, did you do anything else of note in uh, January 2020 um, that you did not get to carry on that type of behavior into the rest of the year? Because right here, I'm looking at it. I started off my year um, traveling an absurd amount. Yeah. In January uh, 2020, I went to Connecticut, and then I went to New York City. Uh, to interview some podcast guests. And then after New York City, I went to uh, Buffalo, mm -hmm. uh, Niagara Falls. I went up to Niagara Falls to interview people for the Niagara Falls uh, episode of the podcast. And then the weekend after that, I was in the mountains. Uh, I was in a mountain house. So I almost, I don't think I stayed in my bed a single, uh, a single night, um, a single weekend night. In January 2020, as well as uh, how I was making money, I was hosting Quizzo. You are. Another thing I can't do right now. <sighs> do well, you, <laughs> wait, and also, to bring this up, do you remember any of the news events that happened in January 2020? Besides the big one. You, you, you can say the big one, because I didn't even remember that that happened in 2020. I, yeah, well, that's, honestly, I think that's why the world's going to shit. I think he was the glue holding the world together when Kobe died. So Kobe Bryant's death, let me see, this is January 26th. January 26th. Some of the other things going on, uh, Australia, remember they were on fire and they everyone were was worried? Fire. But now we're on fire. Literally and figuratively. Yeah, literally, no, like literally. Uh, literally on fire. California, but no, we're talking about the first, uh, there was a, a, a Ukrainian plane that went missing. Do you remember that? Not at all. Yeah, Ukrainian this year plane. This so much long, it seems like a decade. Remember impeachment? That was a thing. Yes. We were talking about impeachment still in January. Uh, locusts invading Africa and the start of the coronavirus. Uh, this is what it says. A new viral illness. I remember, yes. Which is being watched with a wary eye around the globe spreads to 25 countries, mostly like, in Asia, killing 200 people. And we didn't hear about it for, what, two months? Yeah, and we didn't hear about it. I, rem I remember when that came out, and just no one told, spoke about it. The funny, of, not the funny thing is, the weird thing is, I worked for a company called Penn Jersey Paper, mm -hmm. who sells, like, um... 
Like all the stuff that you get at a restaurant, like uh, soap, yeah. plates, uh, uh, paper towels, all that. And uh, they were had an eye on coronavirus in January, and I was their writer and their marketing guy. So I had to do a bunch of research into this, and I had actually written about coronavirus in January of 2020 in, a, in, in the articles up on PJP's website uh, talking about it. But... Uh, that company likely made a killing because that was the kind of company that got the masks, mm -hmm. got the soap. They got those. They paid attention to they, it. They were they got those and then they sold like hotcakes. Those were, those people were so busy. When everything was closed down, those trucks were still out. But I quit that job. Also, something that I did in January of 2020 is I quit my job, the stable job that I had, and decided to go full-time as a, a freelance creative and writer. I think you're happier that way though right well also for me uh january 24th i think is that the day kobe died or two days before 26 he died yeah so t on january 24th my first ever article got published mm -hmm. uh for philly weekly yep so this whole journalism thing's like pretty much brand new it started in 2020 so like even at the beginning of this podcast uh season like when i the first episode started coming out i was barely being referred to as a journalist and now I'm a journalist. I'm getting treated like one, yeah. and uh, I've become one, which is the strangest thing in the world, uh, just the context or whatever. Uh, how has your life changed from what you thought it would be in January 2020 to what it is now? I mean, now it's starting to get back on track. Well, what, how did it get stifled in any way? Well, January, you know, 2020 started off great. Uh, mentally, I was at my best. I was in the gym every day, so I was just overall happy. I was supposed to, you know, supposed to start the union. Yeah. And so everything was going good, and then, you know, coronavirus came. And I, I actually thought, like, all right, two weeks, mm -hmm. we'll be fine. Everything's just going to be closed two, for two weeks, weeks. Remember, two weeks. Yeah, and I, I was like, all right, yeah, you know, I can take two, two mm -hmm. weeks off from the gym. I could just, you know, stay in for two weeks. Mm -hmm. It's nothing. Two weeks turned into a month, turned into two months. <laughs> now... Three months, union calls. Oh, you know, we don't know when we're starting up. Not till this is all over. So I'm like, oh, well. So now I'm stuck working overnights, 60 hours a week, and going insane. So it was, that was about what three months of it. Do you think? It, it, do you, you you just talk about insane and stuff? Was it a strain on your mental health? This oh, whole yeah. my, whole thing. Yeah, my mental health was going up, 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 and then coronavirus started with lockdown and started going right back down. No, I understand that. Uh, I, in a better situation than most, I got busier. Mm -hmm. uh, but you were one of the, the, I think it's good that I, I had you on to talk about this because when shit went down with me, I had a very similar situation where I got hired to be the associate editor of a newspaper. Mm -hmm. That all went to shit. They sold me the same thing. One month, two months, months, just two weeks. Don't worry. We got to shut down the office. Uh, now I'm a furloughed employee and I'm headed into the fall. It's been six months of uh, non-steady employment, which will, is a burden on people. Absolutely. That alone it will drive you nuts, let alone. Um, then, work for two months. Well, but then I texted you, but then I texted you and you got me a job uh, flipping cheesesteaks, etc. Um, and uh, we had the shared pain of being uh, pandemic essential workers in the service yes. industry. Um which is not something I would wish on my and worst enemy. We got busy too. Very, we very it was open because we were the nowhere. only place open. We the were, first week it was dead, and I was like, "Wow!" Like 
Is it even worth staying open? And then the next week, boom. Record sales, baby. Yeah. Record sales. And and I, I, I was thankful to have the job, but at the I same time yeah. horrified that I had to be there and horrified at how people were acting. And we got and we got unlucky because how many people dropped, like just said, you know, they don't want to work during it. They're scared. Yep. So, I mean, what are you going to do? But open 24 hours, too. One of the only places exactly. open 24 hours. No, um... Uh, for the people of 2100, is there anything that they should know about the the pre-COVID stuff? Like, about, like, how it was explained to the public and how how you understood it, what it was going to be, and then what it actually is. Because I think perception's really important. I don't think it was made that big of a deal to start off, so I don't think anyone really took it serious. And I, I personally believe that from the start, they said, listen... Everyone stay in your house for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Only Acme, only, like you know, only food markets, only yeah. pharmacies, nothing else. If everything would have been locked down and closed for two weeks, I don't think it would have spread. But us being at work overnight, we seen all these people just coming out. And it's not like like essential workers going to get food. First of all, we're barely essential workers. We're not. We're not. We shouldn't have been making food. But we were allowed because we were takeout only. Mm-hmm. So we were able to get around that. Yep. And um, on top of that, uh, yeah, all the people that would come out to, to come to our place. Just hammered. Hammered, too. Yeah, hammered. No, nowhere masked. No socially distancing. It took about a month before we figured out. Like, oh, what getting we people do. to put masks on was a struggle, and it still is. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. Stop. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Get my pretty name out of your mouth. We are not the same with or without. Don't talk about me like how you might know how I feel. Top of the world, but your world isn't real. <laughs> it wasn't ideal. So go have fun. I really couldn't care less, and you can give him my best, but just... To be honest with you... Sure, I want you to I wanted to... Uh, I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Yes, sir. Because I don't want to create a panic. Stay calm. Uh, it will go away. You know it. You know it is going away. I don't think it was made that big of a deal to start off, so I don't think anyone really took it serious. It's so incredibly contagious, and nobody knew that. I'm not your friend, question for you before Mm -hmm. we even introduce i saw you hating on mummers a little bit on twitter today (laughs) i have a grudge i'm not from philly so i do that's fair uh the reason i bring that up is because the last guest who just came on who Uh was january okay he's a mummer and he talks about being in the mummers parade oh cool sad he is about the mummers being canceled what is gotcha. your gripe with the mummers? Because I feel like in the last interview, we only we didn't talk about any of the negativity that comes with the mummers. I feel and I don't want to omit that. OK, I uh, I'm not from Philadelphia. I grew up in Maryland. Who are you? I'm uh, John Ahrens. Uh, I produce Radio Times with Marty Moss Cohen for WHYY. And I'm a musician as well. And I moved here from Baltimore in uh, 2014. I uh, lived in South Philly up until January of 2020. So was 2014 your introduction to the Mummers? 2015. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I had never heard of it before. There are people in Baltimore I know who 
I learned like liked it because it's freaky and everyone in Baltimore likes freaky shit. But I uh, I had never heard of it. And I turned on uh, the TV uh, New Year's Day. I didn't even know that like Philadelphia didn't party on New Year's Eve, which everyone else in the country does. We party it, on New Year's Eve, too. No, there I, I got a lot of people being, oh, no, I'm saving up my energy for New Year's oh, Day. Oh, yes, that is. A thing. I didn't I didn't that know what that was about. And then um, I did. I just didn't understand what was going on. And I turned on the TV that morning and uh, saw the mummers going on. And it was the yeah, the first thing I saw was, you know, uh, some sort of like union guys, you know, not, I, I like unions, but it was <laughs> some sort of like South Philly kind of union guys in like geisha makeup. And they were like, now it's a trip to the Orient. And that was like the first thing I oh, saw. Yeah, yeah, you'll and they get were, a lot of they that. Had the, they had the fans and were sort of like doing this sort of like. I'm, um, I'm guaranteed it's Kabuki theater. stereotypes. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was pretty much just like that was all I really saw. I, I also just don't like the aesthetic of it to, you know, to be totally frank. I'm not against <laughs> freaky stuff. I'm not against things being weird or out there. Or, you're, you much know, even, like, you're much but nicer. You're much nicer. I just think find it gro- grotesque and gross and, and strange. And I think the music sucks. And um, I liked pretty much nothing about it. No. So I think you. it's that. But it is. I just think it's it's very racist. And I um, was at a bar not that long ago talking about how I didn't like it. And I didn't like the blackface with a friend of mine who's from, like, you know, from from South Philly. And this bartender walked up and he's like, yeah, I put blackface on. It's funny. It's I think it's cool. It's funny. It's, it's funny. Yeah. Oh, and I was no. just like, oh, it's not funny. And, uh, you know, right. I didn't I didn't like murder him or anything. But no, I was trust me, like, I yeah. I have mummers in the family. The last guest was my cousin, who's a mummer. But we're here. We, 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 we gave January an extra minute of content. We're hopping into February. 2020. OK, yeah, here we are. Yeah, I'm going to tell you some of the things I was worried about or that I cared about in 2020. Yeah. You know, number one on my radar. Enemy uh, number one on my radar. Michael Bloomberg. You couldn't have been more correct. You could not have been more correct. I was looking back at my tweets and my my pictures and the things I was saying and and, and thinking and writing. And by God, did yeah. I put a lot of time and thought into what Mike Bloomberg would be like as the president of the country. And uh, he was the one who made me okay with Biden. He was, he was right. He was, that might've been the whole plan, the plan whole along. I know, I know. Move the Overton window to the right. Yeah. Yeah. Biden. uh, I mean, Bloomberg was a, he, he was polling well, or at least it felt like he was a threat at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember um, seeing, you know, sort of my parents, friends on Facebook and stuff being like, Oh, finally someone, you know, who I'd vote for. And like a, a friend of mine who I um, was friends with in college, he was like sort of a Romney Republican, I mm-hmm. guess I would say, was like Bloomberg is, I don't even like Bloomberg, but Bloomberg is my guy. I re- I went, you know, in full uh, disclosure, I went on a pretty uh, big tear on my Facebook to dissuade my boomer you yeah. know, friends, uh, parents, friends and stuff from doing it, posting constant. I, I, I was very worried too. In full disclosure, well, learning about- I, I didn't. I did not. Yeah. Well, I learned more about how how much of a scumbag he was, and mm. also, like, I didn't. Um, I didn't think he would win against Trump. First of all, and second of all, just the optics of like a rich man buying himself 
the candidacy. I just thought it was like, that's just nightmare stuff. It was horrible. It was, yeah. it was sincerely concerning. And at that time, another man on my, on my brain was Bernard Sanders, whom I was polling for in the primary. Admittedly, this was the highlight of his, his, his career in, in mm-hmm. my heart. This was when it seemed like he had a chance at the presidency specifically this is when he won new hampshire to start and then he got the most votes in iowa but he did not win iowa (laughs) right which is still there's stories breaking about it still like last week shadow in shadow industries right the um, i don't even i didn't even click it i don't want to know it's done with it's done rest in peace bernie it's nice what he's doing still but he should he could retire and i'd be fine with him i'm I'm, you know i didn't i still didn't see it being true it just seemed mm -hmm. like it seemed like another it's when it felt the best i never i know enough that to know that when I feel good, I shouldn't. So <laughs> I, I, I was like, all right. Uh, I, I knew what we were trending towards, but I thought at any point in time, any, it was anyone's game uh, until they, they put all the stone, the infinity stones together. And then yes, exactly. And that happened it. in March. So yeah. this was February was really the time when, uh, when it seemed like he had a, uh, yeah, well, he was, he won two, I mean, three primaries, essentially. And yeah, Nevada, he really did really well. But I just, it didn't, it just didn't seem possible. Like, more so than even Barack Obama, which didn't seem possible at that, in that time in 2008. I couldn't, I just couldn't see, I use my mom as a gauge for the Democratic Party a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't see my mom getting excited. She didn't, like, hate him, like. Oh, but, I've re- I don't. I was the only Bernie person in my life, really, other than like a couple other people my age. I don't know any old Bernie heads. I don't know. I, I don't think they exist. I've never seen. I, I do think that there's like a weird like boomer hatred of him. Yeah. I think they just like he's like a guy that they kind of knew and didn't like in Venezuela in college or something. Yeah, he just and, like was he, too didactic, and they didn't he like him. And they didn't in Moscow. That's not yeah. that's not going to appeal to the Reagan generation. But beyond the primary, where was COVID at in February? Do we remember? It was in it was in China, and then it made its way to Italy. I was reading uh, South Korea issued a state of emergency in February. Yeah, uh, they had had a couple deaths. I read something in in early February. There was about eight hundred dead total in mm-hmm. the globe, and and I, I don't think it had it had quite gotten to America yet. It hadn't become. An issue. I looked at my. I think uh, the uh, the cruise ship thing happened mm-hmm. in, in February. What was the cruise ship thing? A bunch of people on the a cruise ship got it, and then Trump didn't like didn't want to let them off. Mm-hmm. The oh yeah! Ship. What a fucking it, nightmare! <laughs> Jesus Christ! Some really grim. Trump things. did that was when Trump said that the coronavirus was a hoax. Oh, uh, uh, we, we've addressed hoax. that. We, yeah. I believe the music that played us into this month addresses. We got we got Bob Woodward mixed into some Billie Eilish that that comes leads <laughs> us into this interview. Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't. I was. I remember there was one guy at work who was uh, scared of it, and he was like an IT guy. He wasn't on the journalism side. And, I published um, an article about it in January. Oh wow! Okay. As because I was not as I wasn't a journalist yet. I wasn't considered a journalist yet. Uh, I was still working as a marketing intern, uh, writing and editing a blog for a, a, a company called PJP that sells soap. Mask, oh, I've heard of it. Yeah, gloves, all that. Yeah. I wrote um, an article that is mostly filled with wrong information. Now looking back at it, um, about the coronavirus, the novel. I remember. 
I remember the ma- the people saying the masks didn't you didn't need to wear masks. I remember that. Anthony like, Fauci was, said you didn't need masks. Yeah, Fauci <laughs> said it, and a lot of people did. And the one guy I remember saying masks are good was this guy Matt Stoller, a writer mostly on like antitrust stuff. But he was like, I don't see why everyone's say- like masks work. I don't know why. Why I wouldn't whispered. they? Looking back on it, why would? How would they? Because I remember a, a line specifically, people saying that it makes it worse. And I was like, in what way? How could yeah. that possibly even make sense? But um, so do you have any uh, off the cuff stories from February? Weird things that are not COVID, not primary. Do you remember <laughs> anything else? We For got Weinstein part. guilty. Weinstein guilty. Roger Stone sentenced. Roger Stone sentenced also. He's out. Now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now he's pardoned. I think Trump was pardoning. All- I saw some headline. I did a little. I just looked at some New York Times a headline being like Trump is on a pardoning spree. And I was like, well, that's also not new. I mean, the yeah. presidential race is in a lot of ways still going on because it hasn't been inauguration day. I mean, yeah. it's it's still like the country's still divided over that and coronavirus is hovering around. I mean, it is like a lot of the same. The thing that struck me about looking at February was that it was like, it did seem like the powder keg moment. I mean, like all the stuff that set this year off on its trajectory seemed to be happening in February. Like January seemed almost tame in comparison. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. The, the, with the fact that none of these news stories have been resolved exactly no, nothing yeah. nothing has been resolved no one no it's feels still good. all the same no exactly i mean and it, it, it's bizarre it was bizarre to look back and feel like sort of like suspended animation just being like mm-hmm. what's yeah. it called i got i got a weird february 2020 story that uh i that i learned about today um but apparently has been going on did you know that there were horrible locusts throughout east africa no so as this plague has been going on, locusts have been running through oh, Kenya, okay. Ethiopia, Uganda, Somalia, Eritrea, India, Pakistan, Iran, Yemen, Oman, Saudi Arabia. And then there's other countries that they can't even check like uh, because of uh, terrorist groups. And it's still going on. The, the Al-Shabaab terrorists won't, yeah. won't let people into Somalia to check out their locust problem. And the article ends with, I know I none know of none this, of this is, is over yet. Over yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's a direct quote, uh, but locusts have been uh, eating uh, vegetation and, and uh, taking s- food. That's what they do. They're, they're eating the food. They're eating the vegetation and displacing people. I have not heard about these locusts once. I know, I know none, none of this, of this is, is over yet. Okay, so please introduce yourself. My name is Alexandra Hunt. I live in the city of Philadelphia. (laughs) I recently graduated with a master's of public health and I work in clinical research. See, I was I was waiting to hear some of the credentials about medical stuff because I I get confused by all of that. I don't know the differences. 
in the certifications, job titles, that world is extremely foreign to me. It, I, so what, what is the type of work you do or you look to do? Oh, <laughs> it, in the beginning of the year, I was working at Fox Chase Cancer Center. Mm-hmm. So I worked on cancer clinical trials um, to try to find a cure or to, a way to shrink tumors of various kinds of cancer. I was on the GI team, which is like your stomach, liver, um, colon, things like that. And then recently I started a new job at a small biotech company. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm still in clinical trials, cancer, clinical oncology, but I'm just more on the um, ethical side, the the cleaning of data and making sure um, that it's, it has integrity. Okay. So that actually, that helps with kind of what we're talking about. So from someone who understands public health from a public health perspective. What, 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 what went, went wrong, wrong with yeah. the COVID-19 pandemic? And you can take us to, we could start in January, February, or March when everything went down. Uh, yeah, no, talk to us about what went wrong or like what could have been done. So the first case of COVID-19 occurred, I believe in November mm-hmm. of uh, 2019 and students in the public health realm are aware that our country is underprepared for any sort of pandemic and that has always been a concern uh, is how could we better prepare I think the first thing is to take that sort of threat seriously uh, which our country failed to do um, and the leadership in our country failed to take it seriously and that um, we we were under under a, a threat of of disease, um, so in February, um, it was a, not a question of if the United States was, at least in the public health field, um, if the United States was going to see the virus. It was how how deadly would it be when it got here, and when would it get here, and so there was already sort of the not really any sort of preparation in terms of PPE or lockdowns or anything like that or lack of travel. It was just, you know, it it's going to be here soon and when what's going to happen once it gets here. It, it was all going it was all reactionary rather than preventative or preparatory. In the beginning of March, I remember in Philly t- talking with people, joking about it, not taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. Um racial slurs going around about it. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I mean, that was coming from the top down. I think Trump called it the China virus. Like, he still tweets, calls it the China virus. And... Yeah, he, he, he did that during his presidential debate, actually, um, it, in front of, on, on national television. But, um, <laughs> so, it, but it just wasn't taken seriously that, that this could dramatically alter our lives. And then, I was at work and um, they, there was a code white. And uh, a code white means a natural disaster. And we were told that we couldn't leave. Um, and we didn't know when, when we would be able to leave. Just we were, we were in the code white. And, mm-hmm. and this was probably early March, mid-March? Early March. Um, and what had happened was a case 
a coronavirus case had come into our sister hospital that we shared a campus with, Jean's Hospital. Um, and so nobody was allowed to leave. So that was, um, that was scary. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine. Um, I, I had a, I got a new job in uh, March where I was actually hired. Um, I was hired in February, but I was supposed to start in March. But my first day of work was March 16th, the day that they closed down their office. And I'm still furloughed for that position right now, but I don't even know. I don't know if I'll ever do it. I, I used to talk to them every two weeks. Now I talk to them once a month. They've never paid me. I've never done, I've never published an article with them. But yeah, no, so I, I understand uh, that entire, having your world upside down. What happened with the Code White? Did anything specific happen? Yeah, our our managers went to upper management and was like, are you really, you know, just gonna keep people here? Um, and it, it was, we were able to go home, but we were expected to return. We weren't going into quarantine or remote working then. Mm. Um, but we stay, we, uh, Fox Chase Cancer Center is still in a code white. Um, and it's just been kind of an adjustment since then of how, how to respond. So then the next wave of response was send, send any non-essential personnel home to remote work. Fortunately, being a primary cancer center in the area, we were pretty well stocked with PPE and then donation, a lot of donations came in. Um, but I know that it, we're, we're under the, we were planning on being bought by Jefferson, Fox Chase Cancer Center. We were part of Temple Health. And that, um, that fell through because of how hard Jefferson got hit by the pandemic. So we remained under Temple Health and Temple Health started really struggling with their hospital and providing PPE and staffing, you know, their their COVID unit, their ICU units, and just nurses being overworked in general. It, it just, it, it was, March was an incredible display of how, of the, of the infrastructure, infrastructure of our, our country kind of as a whole and not knowing how to respond to this and also not listening to scientists who could tell you what sort of threat it was and how how you know hand washing wearing masks social distancing those sorts of things to prevent the spread of disease mental health professionals who are talking about you know social isolation is not going to help our communities mm -hmm. um and then just in general public health officials as well just so you and i are recording december 2020 mm -hmm. so a little spoiler to anyone listening we are now, uh, that, is, that makes it close to, a, we're at almost a year of COVID, at almost a year of COVID, um, yeah. which essentially could have been prevented. We've got countries like Australia that are completely open. South Korea is really hanging out. A lot of countries are vibing, having a great oh, yeah. time. What do you think next steps are for America? And do you have any thoughts on when the uh, COVID crisis will subside over here? I, I that that answer is multifaceted. Ideally, we'd ha we'd have a, a lockdown and have have it for a short period um, to kind of just run out the disease, not spread it around the virus, and then vaccinate everyone. 
However, we have to have the means for everyone to go into lockdown and we're not getting any sort of relief from any level of government. The vaccines is another issue. We have anti-vaxxers. We have people who, who are scared of how quickly this vaccine was developed. And then we just have short supply. You're, you're making too much sense. We're talking about America here in 2020. And uh, for the listeners, I acknowledge that you said best case scenario lockdown, which is 50% of the country completely disagrees with that. They think the lockdown is oppression. They are uh, excited to go to the gym. They're bragging that they're going to the gym and they wear shirts that say, we still go to the gym. And then they go (laughs) scream at people's faces without masks during the pandemic. So, uh, so I think I have the solution to, Mm -hmm. to, to, but not until after the vaccine is created. So I've been saying this for weeks. uh, So I'm finally happy to say it recorded to somebody and unbiased. If you think it's a bad idea, get rid of it. So Biden administration comes in because you got to wait at least a month from now. We need, we need the vaccine to, to build up. So about a month from now, Joe Biden comes in. He introduces a piece of legislation called the bribe bill. And what the bribe bill would be, it would be a bribe to every American to stay in their homes. It's a stimulus, but labeling it a bribe, would the people of America would get it. They'd be like, okay, you're being bribed to stay home. And it would be, we'll say $1,500 a week for three weeks. If you stay in all three weeks, you get a $500 bonus. That's five grand to stay in your house for three weeks. If we catch you outside, you lose your week. You lose the money for the week. You can still make the money in the future. But I think that there's a chance that if you literally bribe people with cash and incentivize them to stay home, that would be the only thing to get bipartisan staying home. And then that provides enough time. That takes us into mid-February vaccines piling up, get everybody out of the house, into the hospitals, get them vaccinated. So I'm all for um, incentive programs. I, I agree with them. But what about the people who can't stay home? Or if they stay home, they lose their job. And this is only temporary, this money. Well, it obviously would be more fleshed out. It'd be more like an omnibus bill. But there would be, yeah, there would be the same economic incentives for, for uh, companies to not default on everything. Yeah, because it is, you do raise a good point. My, my plan is simplistic because people lose their jobs and also the homeless.
Um, I'm Alicia Alt. I'm a freelance writer. I live outside of Baltimore. And uh, mostly I write for Smithsonian and a medical publication called Medscape. So we write for doctors and healthcare professionals. Got you. And so how has uh, the COVID-19 pandemic affected your workflow this year? Uh, well, in the last year, it's, it's uh, kind of gone off the charts. We've been busy pretty much every day. Hey, that's pretty good. And I, I'm, I'm in the same business. I, I was a less successful freelancer, and now I'm a, it's all I do. Well, that's great. Congratulations to you. It's, it's a hard way to make a living, but um, having a healthcare expertise has really, really been a bonus in the last year. At the same time, it's been really stressful because um, I internalize so much of what I am reading and what I talk to people about. And especially in the beginning of the pandemic, talking to a lot of the frontline healthcare workers, the doctors, mm. the nurses, uh, they were really under siege, especially March, April, 2020. So um, um, what is your health healthcare background? How did you become so knowledgeable on the topic? Uh, basically by uh, throwing myself into it right after college. Um, it was the first job I got in journalism and I wasn't even sure I wanted to be a journalist. So yeah. it was all accidental basically. And I learned as I went, I never had any formal training in medicine or um, any sciences. So so the, the obviously why we're talking is we're talking about April of 2020. Do you remember a bit of April? Do you remember a bit about what you were doing, what was going on in the world, anything, anything? Yeah, well, in, in April in the Northeast, which is, you know, basically I'm mid-Atlantic, but uh, mm. we tend to be more part of the Northeast here in Maryland. Um, a large number of states were on what people were calling lockdown. Uh, people have been told, don't leave your house except for essential uh, errands, going to the grocery store, the pharmacy, don't go visit people, uh, stores were closed, um, movie theaters were closed, bars were closed, restaurants were closed. How strictly was the area you live locked down? Um, it was pretty strict here in mm. Maryland. Um, we... It, the thing I remember the most about that part of uh, late March, early April into mid-April was the silence because mm. there was no motor vehicle traffic. You know, there were nobody, nobody was going to work. Nobody yeah. was out on the roads. There was no air traffic. We're not far mm. from the airport. My point of view is perhaps a little bit jaded on the pandemic because around April, I was technically an essential worker mm -hmm. um, because... I had been hired to be uh, an editor of a newspaper furloughed because that it, it, I, you couldn't go into the office to start, start the job. I couldn't go in to start the job. Uh, I was furloughed. So I got a job making cheesesteaks in South Philadelphia uh, where I live. So I was cooking cheesesteaks uh, and I saw how many people came out and got cheesesteaks. I bet. It's to pandemics and, and, and maskless, with masks. Uh, the first guest from uh, January is the guy who got me that job, my cousin. And it was, it was something to see 
the lack of belief and the lack of disregard because South Philadelphia is particularly um, polarized politically. Yes, I would say that's a different place. I mean, where I am is kind of split. Um, mm. and, and that's the sad thing too. I mean, years from now, people will go, wait a minute, your political party dictated what you believed about science. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, I mean, that, hopefully that will strike people as being very strange, but I can tell you, I just um, sat in on something that was about the yellow fever epidemic of Philadelphia in 1793, which uh, was probably one of the most devastating um, epidemics in America. Really? Um, something like uh, at least, let's see, 5,000 people died in Philadelphia. The population of the city at the time was about 50,000. Mm -hmm. um, and well, actually, a lot of people left the city. But in any case, politics uh, did come into play there where you had people who believed a certain thing, um, <laughs> if they were part of the political elite and others who, I mean, there was a split along political lines even then. But um, and you have to remember, in April, masks were not yeah, there was yeah. so much back and forth on whether or not we should even wear masks. We're helpful. And that's a great point because when I started working there, it was not quite masks are mandatory, clean everything. It was more of what is going on? How long is this going to happen? How real is it? What do we right. do? Uh, because it was less understood. So I remember there were people who were not showing up to work because they lived with a grandmother and they didn't want to bring it home with them. And it, the considerations were different because we weren't aware of what to do in the beginning. Well, and also you, we had our federal government, even um, Tony Fauci, who's, you know, the much venerated Tony Fauci, because science evolves. At that time, the main concern was that people who worked in hospitals specifically, did not have access to enough masks, N95 masks, mm -hmm. for them to do their job. And the concern was people would run out and start buying N95 masks. I mean, you Stockpiling. Could yeah, well, you could get them at Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, contractors had them. Um, it's not like they were unavailable to people before that. But um, I would no, you raise a good point with like the stockpiling. People were stockpiling masks, which created an issue. Uh, toilet paper. Remember yeah. how rare it was to see toilet paper in a grocery store? Yes. Well, we had been actually out of the country in March, in mid-March. Mm. <laughs> and I was... Uh, Where, not if you don't mind me asking. <laughs> well, normally we, we go to this very isolated place in the Bahamas uh, it takes like most of the day to get there. You have to take a couple of planes and a, a boat ferry and there's no doctor and there's no hospital and there's no nothing there. There's no hotels. Oh, wow. There's nothing. I've been to Exuma. That's the most remote I've gotten. Right. Well, this is near Eleuthera, but it's, oh. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a very small speck of a place, but um, I was concerned that we were not going to be able to get back. But uh, when we did get back, uh, yeah, there was nothing on the store shelves. There was no toilet paper, no paper towels. There were uh, signs everywhere limiting you. You couldn't buy more than one box of uh, chicken broth because everybody was convinced that they were going to be stuck in their houses for months on end 
And so suddenly people were stocking up on pantry items. Little did they know that they don't have the patience to stay in their own house on months on end. It's not even the police and no one, no one ever tried to force us to, but uh, people just turned out they, they, they needed to sneak off. They, they don't quite have the discipline. Right, right. right. America <laughs> but, is not, uh, we're not Europe. We're not, uh, we're not one of the Asian countries. We're, we're terrible at um, basically taking care of ourselves and um, getting five Americans to order uh, uh, pizza is, is a difficult enough task, let alone getting the entire country to believe in something and act on what they believe is, is a whole nother set of issues, but we got to power forward here. Cause we only, we're, we get a short window yes. and I love what we're talking about, but do you remember any of the uh, news stories in yes. April of 2020? Yes. Well, I went back and looked at, at uh, what I was covering and at that time, uh, in early April, one of it, so the science, there was so much we didn't know about the virus, right? People were really worried about uh, contaminated surfaces. That was a huge mm. concern, right? So everybody's disinfecting everything. Yeah. They uh, won't bring their mail in their house. They won't bring grocery bags in uh, because there had been a study showing that uh, the virus could linger on surfaces, but nobody knew whether that actually meant it was infectious. They could just find it. Mm-hmm. Also, it's it's really interesting. In early April, the National Academies of Sciences put out a report saying that it was pretty clear that the virus was um, aerosolized. In other words, you could expel it when you're talking, or when you're, uh, it, it, and it would linger in the air. That's different mm-hmm. than, say, the flu virus, which drops in, in big droplets and they hit the ground really fast. Uh-huh. So this, to me, that was a crucial thing, Um, but that is still being debated, whether Mm -hmm. it lingers in the air, but it's real in in the World Health Organization, it just recently actually acknowledged that it's most likely that it does linger in the air. So basically you could walk through a a cloud of somebody's exhalation and become infected. It's, It's pretty clear that that's, yeah, no, everyone's talking about ventilation. That's right. the uh, so the notes that I have written down. Uh, Hong Kong protests start to really kick off in yes. April. Uh, the Nova Scotia uh, attacks, which was the largest mass shooting in Canadian history, was a guy uh, over the over a course of like eighteen hours drove from town to town and killed people and burnt down their houses. Twenty two deaths. Bernie Sanders suspending his campaign and then dropping out of the presidential race. And then lastly is a rapper uh, who's heavily featured in the stupidity episode was released from jail. So I felt like adding some continuity to the series there. The rapper mentioned in the stupidity episode's name is 6ix9ine. He was released from prison in April of 2020. I do not know how to feel about this. He is obviously a piece of shit, but in April of 2020, COVID-19 was ravaging prisons and killing people. Stupid ass 6ix9ine does not deserve to die in prison. No one deserves to die in prison. But it's hard to have empathy for a guy who joins a gang to gain its benefits and then snitches on that gang. Then produces a song that gets millions of streams immediately after he leaves prison admitting he snitched on the aforementioned gang.
Yes. Um, well, so I had just gone back and focused on some of the science, but what you found happening is pretty much what every science fiction novel and every exercise that looked at the potential effects of a pandemic, which by the way, this government has gone, has planned for, for at least a hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> and especially in the last 40 years, there's been a whole bunch of planning of what's going to happen in a pandemic and pretty much everything that everyone predicted was coming true. So you see a lot of breakdown of society mm. and you see a lot of, um, you know, when you, and, and having a, a president who was in charge at the time, who is not a unifier, but somebody who fans the, the flames of division is mm. the worst possible leader you could have in a crisis where people are, threatened by something that's completely existential because they cannot see it mm. and they they and it it has no impact on them because they're not going to hospitals and and seeing people unless it's their own family member but they're not even allowed to be there so uh, i i think it was hard to get people to believe in covid which is something important it's still um, there are still many places where it is not real to people i personally know some people who think that uh it's we're overcounting the deaths. It's, overcounting the deaths. Uh, Remember, there was a conspiracy theory that the masks will kill you. No, if you yeah. wear the mask too long, you'll suffocate and die. Yeah, it's, it's cutting off your oxygen and it's making it's hurting you because you can't breathe properly. It's funny. I mean, we must have a lot of really unintelligent surgeons out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and nurses. No, you're right. Uh, you know, who have had to wear the, this equipment their entire careers anyway. Um, What's it called? I'm trying to say, yeah, I think I think we're at about time. Is there anything you'd like to say to the people of the year 2100? Yeah, don't don't be us. <laughs> <laughs> Find a better way to handle this. Introducing May's guest, Jason's friend, James Meyer. James is a bartender and college student. He appears on Ink Master Season 13, Episode 1, as a human canvas. Hey! What? Because the reason I'm doing this episode, and that you're the guest, is because I realized that during the month of May, you're one of the only people I saw, other than Ronnie. Really? Because... Yeah, I don't know. We live close together. That was like mid-quarantine, like taking it seriously. Yep. You were one of the few people I saw. And the, the reason I picked you is because your birthday is in May. And uh, like the first picture I have in May is me giving you balloons on my couch in my old apartment. No shit. Yeah, so, so scroll through your May 
I'm looking at May right now. I did a I did a decent amount of stuff, and I mean, so May was a good time for me. I actually had a really good time in May for for what quarantine. Were you doing? So uh, John and Tony, my old uh, like neighbors in my apartment building, yes. they were leaving, and so we had like all of May to just like we we like at the end of the day, you live in an apartment building, so you know you're. You're touching the same doors. You're you're inhaling the same water. And your your apartment building had a unique circumstance where it was like a group of like flight attendants. Yeah, yeah, that so, was yeah. that was yeah, that was John and Tony. So they were they weren't working. I wasn't working. Everyone, no one was working. We were all. I was yeah, furloughed. I mean, essential, you were furloughed. Essential every- guys. You know, like you had the you had the couple people that were like, "Yep, I'm going to UPS." Yeah, <laughs> and then they worked there. But no, we literally had all of the time in the world to do whatever because nobody was working. So we'd go on our roof and we would just like have like flight attendants over and just hang out with all the flight attendants and we'd just drink because we knew that they weren't gonna be they weren't gonna be living with us soon. So we had like a short amount of time to party with them and we had just moved in in like March. So yeah. No, yeah, because May was the unique time where it was March was the month where like all the COVID, like that's this serious lockdown. And then April was the month where nobody knew what the fuck was going on with either the lockdown. We remember the phases in red, red, blue, yep. no, red, yellow, and green. Yep. Yep. We never got back to green. Even upon recording this, we never got back to green. But in May, you were one of the only people I had seen during the month Aside from, uh, because this was before protests, George this Floyd was, didn't die until the end of May, beginning of June. So this was before the racial strife. This is when I had, got my drone. Really ta- I had my drone still, and we recorded a music video. We shot a music video. Shout on out the Dylan, roof. Dylan McHale, Dylan, Dylan Hale, Hale. <laughs> Dylan Hale. My bad, Dylan. <laughs> Either way, no. So yeah, we shot a music video. I, I, have on your the, roof. I have the video of the video right here. Like how? Yeah, <laughs> a jar of peanut butter. No, so. <laughs> The things I talk to you about, you are my gauge for what the rest of the world. There's a couple people I have in my life that that I it's important for me to have in my life so I don't get too caught up in the bullshit, the media bullshit. Yeah. And like uh, cuz I like talk to a lot of experts and people that take life too seriously. And you people like you are and remind me not to take any of this seriously. Well, but yeah. <laughs> talk to me. I'm glad to be that person. No, you you end up like I because I that's just not the world I'm like in constantly anymore. Everyone I deal with is blowing smoke up each other's asses most of the time. <laughs> Whereas you get yelled at all the time. You're always bickering with people and like because you're in the real world and I am. I don't have to be professional. Yeah, much. yeah. Nobody has. Yeah, you have no repercussions. <laughs> no. So talk about what COVID was like for like regular people. Or like at least your thoughts so, on COVID, because there was the media panic, there was everyone freaking out, and there. But then there was people that felt like Jimmy. Yeah. So I mean, here here's my take on it. You know, March started, and I remember being terrified. Yeah. I I, I wasn't at first, but you know those those last couple of days before like we went into a shutdown, you're like, wait, are they actually gonna fucking do it? Yeah. And you're like, oh my god, they're really gonna do it. And so I'm walking through the bar actually at this point. I'm I'm working and I started getting like this weird, really weird vibe. It got to a point where I was like, wow, there's a lot of people around me. And like, I thought I was watching a, a scene out of a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this is before masks were this, even a thought. This is before. Yeah. Before any of that. I mean, mm-hmm. China had masks, but they had smog. So yeah, it's different. They've had masks. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, that happened. And then, you know, the first thing I'm thinking is like, 
everything's going to go like the economy is going to crash. I'm and not going to have any money in my bank account. It's going to be terrible. And so, you know, we ended up and you didn't. Home. I did it. That was all I right. did it because Un- unemployment was taking forever. They were backlogged by millions. Yep. So yeah, you, I see your your uh, guest that went on unemployment. Like hundred percent. A lot of a lot of people went on unemployment. How about the switch up on the unemployment rhetoric? Remember when it was just for uh, losers and welfare yeah. queens? And then it's now like, oh. now everybody's on welfare. We got conservatives <laughs> on welfare. We got Democrats yep. on welfare. Yep. Old, young. My parents told me to apply for unemployment. Well, when that six hundred was hitting, that six hundred was good, and that's why I wanted to get to May because I didn't I didn't get unemployment for a month, and I had to call unemployment oh, two thousand and sixty three times within two. You did. Days. You did. That's not a joke. That's, I, I, if it was a joke, I wouldn't be saying it. Yeah, you called two. You called them two thousand times. Yes, uh, in one day. Well, over two days, I think. No, it was one day, and then the day before it was four, like four hundred yeah. times. And you know, I finally get through to them, and they're like, "Oh, we uh, we're going to approve your claim." Did you get yeah. your uh, your unemployment in May? I started getting it. Um, I think mid-April. Okay. <clears throat> My claim started the fifth, so it was nice. Because May, I was getting, you know, I was making a little bit less than when I, a little bit less, less than a good week bartending. Hey, it was like normal. It was hey, up and that down. cheddar, that cheddar, cheddar is going to change how people feel about work going into the future. A hundred percent. Well, because you get a taste of it, and it's like, okay, now I was able to uh, to buy a car. You know, I was able to to pay off my bills. It was it was hey. the most needed, and so. You know, I'm thinking now. Now let's fast forward to May. You know, we're a month into, um, you know, being inside with the same people all the time. But we were just trying to make the best of it. You know, it got to a point where I didn't want to wear a mask as much. I had gotten a puppy. You know, I was I was already over the mask. You got a you got a puppy. What's your puppy's name? My puppy's name is Rona. Named after what? (laughs) Named after coronavirus. You know. Uh, we just that's, tra- that's that's some hot shit for the people of the year 2100. You named your dog after the- after a virus. <laughs> after killed, the disease. It's killed 250,000 people in this country, but my dog will always I don't know if that's it. resilient or offensive. <laughs> See, I haven't gotten anybody mad yet. You know who's been mad? No, wait, my, my I have a, I have family members who died of COVID. It's not it's Wait, not really? Me. Yeah, I got a cousin that died of COVID. What? Sh- I didn't I didn't know this. The older, the older. Sorry for laughing. I'm yeah, sorry. no, no. Mar- Marilyn Falvo, R.I.P. She was, uh, she lived in Florida. She was old. You know, that's the people who get it. Yeah, I, I don't know one. And she was a diehard conservative. I don't know one person that that has gotten it and been like terribly sick more than a flu. And the and the crazy thing is, I, know, I could tell you a couple that we know from April until now. Mm. There's no such thing as a common cold. They're, they oh, went yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, this is this is true. Uh, it's it, it, the, the now every time you get sick, you automatically think you 100%, have COVID. Common colds and 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 I, like you know, I smoke these you know the vapes, and you know, I was I, just coughing because I'm chiefing over here. Well, yeah, and it sound and we're talking about Corona, so people are gonna think I'm coughing because Corona. And that's what I'm saying. Like my voice has been always always been raspy and. I've always had like a like an everyday cough. It's just you know smoking stuff for you know as long as you've been, and so you kind of get you you like second guess yourself when you're talking to people mm-hmm. or when you're coughing yeah. near somebody because you're like they're gonna think I have COVID now and they're gonna yeah. take. It's just uh, it's it's too much. I was over in May. That's like May. May is when we said you know what everybody that lives in this building, if you want to come up and not give a shit about any of this stuff going on. We'll just let's have a drink. Let's let's set up here. And we used to, we were up 
we had a long bender in May. May was a very big blur, if I'm being honest. But it was just all spent on the roof drinking with friends. It was the best way to pass the time. Because, you know, you drink, you don't really spend more money. Oh, yeah, as long as you're not going to the bar. It's, yeah. it's cheap it's, to drink at home. It was home. so cheap or, to drink at home. It is nice. You, to, get, you get 10 people yeah, I'm together. I'm complaining about spending $50 on a bottle of whiskey for this Yahoo article. Mm-hmm. But going to a bar, you spend... Way more than fifty dollars, dude. I went to I went to Chinatown Beer Garden. I don't know if day. things will ever be the same. I because I, why would it? Like why would I want to go out to the bar every day? I I, got, I you know me. Uh-huh. We used I to used be to, bar people. We used to be bar people, and I used to be working at a bar, drinking at a bar, working at a bar, drinking at a bar. Now it got to a point where it's like, dude, I went out the other day, and my bill at, at Tradesman's at mm-hmm. Tradesman's for the Eagles game, and I was there for like. I was there for a good amount of time, but my tab was like over a hundred dollars. And I was thinking to myself, if I had just fucking stayed home, yep, I would have spent twenty dollars. I would have had a pizza for later, yep. a pizza for now, and I'd be way more drunk than I am sitting outside by these heat lamps. Shouts out to the heat lamp guys who are making a heat killing lamp right guys, now. People who board up windows. Oh my god, they're making how about so this? We're gonna stop here. Money. In the ne- when we talk about the next month, we're going to talk about why people make a lot of money boarding up windows. When we talk about June with our next guest, thanks yep. for coming on, Jimmy. Not a problem, Jay. Oh, well, I never was there ever a cat so clever as magical Mister Mustafalis. Okay, so my first question for you, Ben Dixon, Benjamin Dixon, um, was that Cornell West video? from today <laughs> yeah we we had cornell west on with us um this morning on on the morning show that we do and uh, Plug it. it was yeah no we do uh every morning we do clickbaity political thirst trap it's just a funky name <laughs> for a morning show where me and three guys we get there and we just talk about politics and this morning cornell west joined us uh for the people in 2100 uh he is one of the leading um, or I guess from your perspective, he was one of the leading uh, public intellectuals of our day. And he joined us on our uh, on our live stream slash podcast. And we I was going to say, that's a tremendous downgrade that you're doing going from speaking to Cornell West today to speaking with me. And I appreciate oh, you no. taking that <laughs> downgrade. Well, now, listen, listen, we're speaking to the year 2100. So this is an upgrade in my opinion. Um, so the, the premise of this episode, we just heard about May and I wanted to talk to you because you yourself are an intellectual, uh, a black intellectual that could bring perspective to the George Floyd killing to the people of the future and present that they may not have. Yeah. Yeah. I would just say in general, like if anyone is listening to this and we've long since, um, we've been buried, um, there was a time, and I hope that things have changed. There was a time in this country where police officers could crush the necks of black people and um, people, you know, didn't really respond. Like half the country didn't respond. Half the country did, and they came out and protested. And it was a beautiful thing to see the solidarity and the love from people of all races 
um, a lot of white people who protested over the summer um, who got accosted by the police. Like there's a lot of videos, many of which I shared. Like if, if, if Facebook is still a thing in 2100, mm -hmm. go to my Facebook timeline and look at my, my, my timeline from that period and you will see the videos of uh, allies being accosted by the police simply because they said enough was enough. Yeah, so my, my, my job is I'm a journalist and a freelance journalist and to start this conversation, I said that I was not legitimized until this year. And a part of that was my uh, protest coverage. I just looked through before each of these episodes, I scroll through my camera roll to see what I was doing during this month. Uh, and specifically June, 2020, I covered protests on 20 of the 30 days of the month. So two thirds of the month I spent outside um, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> running around, um, capturing a, a wave of protests. So if you don't mind me asking, where do you reside? Like, where are you from? And how was um, the backlash yeah. wherever you are? Yeah, um, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, and there was a, a major protest in Atlanta. Um, in a way, Atlanta became kind of a flashpoint, like a secondary or tertiary flashpoint for the protest uh, because the, the, the shooting, the subsequent shooting that took place here a few weeks after George Floyd, there was another black man who was killed here in the city of Atlanta. And that led to police, uh, that led to protests. So a, a restaurant was burned down. And um, so Atlanta kind of, kind of got hectic. No, I believe it. I, I, what, scrolling through my camera roll, I saw June 1st for me was the first day the National Guard came to Philadelphia um, for a several week stay. Um, what do you think the remnants of June 2020 and the, the aftermath of George Floyd's death and the, the movement and the momentum uh, brought by Black Lives Matter, because this is essentially the block of the episode where we're talking about the yeah. effect of Black Lives Matter moving into the summer and the month that started it. Yeah, I would say that the future hasn't been written yet. That's the most important thing. Uh, what, what future is listening to this video, this, this podcast right now, hasn't been written because we have so much more work to do. Um, because if things, if, if, if where we are today um, is a snapshot and we don't change anything in the future, then I'm afraid we won't have much of a future to actually, you know, reflect on the George Floyd protests. But if we, get, if we do our jobs right between now and the time, you know, we're done here on this earth, then I think we can change the paradigm so that the future really says that this was a flashpoint, that we changed the system, that we changed the way police, uh, police communities, that we changed the amount of exorbitant uh, funding that they get. You know, I am a firm believer that police should not have more money than teachers. They should not have a bigger budget than teachers. But um, that's kind of the way of the world today. And we just have a lot of work to do to change that. Another um, calendar news event um, for June 2020 that might have gotten glossed over because it seems like it may have, it already was decided. But June 2020 is when uh, Joe Biden was announced as the uh, Democratic candidate for president. Yeah. Do you have anything to say about the stark contrast between a nation um, uprising at, uh, in, 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 in June? 
um, compared to the tone set by Joe Biden and leadership of we are not going to defund the police while people are in the streets saying defund the police. Yeah. Yeah. He was our, our last choice, um, but still a better choice than Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope if nothing else, history will reflect that Donald Trump presided over the deaths of 250,000 Americans before we were able to vote him out of office, um, that he was a narcissistic megalomaniac who was willing to destroy the entirety of the American democratic experiment for the sake of his ego, um, that he had no compunction whatsoever about leading this country to the brink of destruction, all to, to satisfy uh, his lust for glory. Um, and so while I was never, ever excited about Joe Biden, and I worked very hard to defeat him in the primaries, he won in June. And so we did what we had to do. We kind of bit our tongue and, and made sure that he won in November as well. Um, as far as 2020 goes, what do you think the people of the future should learn from this year? The ignorance is human nature and it is a part of human intelligence is a part of human nature right um enlightenment is a part of human nature um good faith you know dealings and 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 taking care of the environment and collectivism there's a lot of good things that are about uh, that are included in the human nature but so is ignorance and because of that ignorance and the level of of hyper hyper politicization uh, of COVID 19 we lost a whole lot of people that did not have to die um, do you have a, uh, this is a question we ask of every guest, what would you like to say to the people of the year 2100? Um, I hope it's better for you. I hope that that turn of the century for you is better than it was for us. The turn of the century, the year 2000 for us was, um, mired in political turmoil from the election of George or, or the appointment of George W. Bush, which led to the subsequent uh, destabilization of the Middle East, which led, I mean, there's just so many things, so many things that fell apart because of our political system that we really have to pause and question, are you guys even there? If you're there, then we survived. And I think that we can continue to survive. But I do believe that we're in a stage of American history where the ignorance will destroy us. Cause ignorance is bliss. And will he be? I'm a fool on your beats. I bleed out the speaker as the speaker that spoke when they didn't speak. Thank you to my amazing guests, James Meyer, Jimmy Harrity, Benjamin Dixon, Alicia Alt, John Ahrens, Alexandra Hunt. And I want to speak about these guests briefly because I believe in my heart that this is something that needs to be noted. We just heard two healthcare professionals in Alexandra and Alicia, as well as two kind of average Joes in my cousin and my, my close friend, Jimmy and James, as well as two kind of news professionals in John Aaron's and Benjamin Dixon. And what you heard us talking about was not just the events of the first six months of 2020, but the myriad of feelings and understanding 
of the first six months of 2020 and the COVID-19 pandemic and the economy, the mummers. You heard a, a wide variety of different opinions on these things that people alive in the same time period are all living through. And I think that's important because living through a pandemic, you got to experience the nuanced difficulties of a pandemic, like toilet paper shortages and like congressmen buying and selling stock in PPE companies and like the madness that comes along with a pandemic that people don't consider because we don't have someone documenting the Spanish flu and how it felt to everybody. A pandemic is just a body count. What's the body count? That tells you how serious the pandemic is. But a pandemic needs to be measured in more than a body count. It has to be measured in time lost, the social interactions given up, all the opportunities that were taken away from people or changed. Like, I had a job taken away from me by the pandemic, a job that I thought was going to make my career. But I had to, when, when, when life made me zig, I had to zag. And now I'm doing a better job and I'm having a better career than I would have. But I, there was a month or two in there where I thought I was dead. I thought my writing career was done. And it's that stress and it's that frustration that gets to people. We heard Jimmy talk about his, uh, the union, the union being delayed and, and like not knowing what to do and the issues with people's mental health, whether or not they believed that the pandemic was difficult or that people were actually dying, shit still weighed on you. And the hyper-politicization, the hyper-politicization, <laughs> I'm leaving this in too, the hyper-politicization hyper of the pandemic and the year 2020 made everything much harder. Whether it was getting vaccines, people are scared of vaccines, people are scared of masks. And it's not just the fact that the, the media sucks, it's also the politicians suck. And the economic system to battle something like a pandemic, it doesn't exist. It's not there. It's not good. It doesn't work. And that's what we live through. We just live through the richest country on earth failing at something that they, this was their job. This was something that the government was supposed to be able to handle, but they failed. And how do you come to terms with that? What do you do? You can't throw them all out because the system's rigged. Joe Biden's the president now. That's our guy now. Uh, and he's not going to, what, you think he's, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's just a shame. The whole thing is a shame. The first six months of 2020, not one person went down a water slide. <laughs> not one person went to an amusement park. Not one person, like, yeah, no, you didn't, where, where was all the fun, like, fun stories? It was all bad, you know? To end this episode, I'm going to play a little clip of audio from how I met Alexandra Hunt. It's me and her talking about meeting in June of 2020. Thank you for listening, and happy 2100. I met you 
in June, um, defending, uh, you were, you were, what was your role at the homeless encampment? What did you do or what were you doing at least there that one day? Oh, well, I mean, that one day I was just being a body um, if police were coming mm -hmm. uh, to evict. But uh, my ongoing role was relationship building. Um, I was there as a medic. I was there as mental health response and just building relationships with the community that was living there. How did you get involved with the homeless encampment that sprung up in June? Um, in an, in an eviction defense, I came on as a medic and um, and then stuck with it. Yeah, no, but th that is how we met, because uh, to listeners of this podcast, I recommend that you seek out anything JTD camp related or anything homeless encampment related uh, in the city of Philadelphia, because it's one of the brighter stories, uh, despite a lot of darkness involved in the story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a dark story with a positive-ish end. Uh, I've been following up with everybody, but there was a homeless encampment in Philadelphia that spanned from about June through August, where uh, about 200 to 300 homeless people came together, creating up to three homeless encampments throughout the city, but two prolific ones. Um, and ended up, ended up pressuring the government during a pandemic into providing them housing. And you and I met at an eviction defense. We've only talked twice. We've talked once playing crazy eights at a homeless encampment around two o'clock in the morning. And yeah. then fast forward um, several months later, uh, we're talking through Zoom, which is, it's an extremely emblematic way for two people to meet each other and communicate during uh, to, uh, to 2020. Um, yeah. Do you have anything you want to tell the people of the year 2100 about um, the pandemic 2020 or just any words of advice? Any words of advice, get your vaccines, <laughs> believe in science, um, wash your hands, be, be good to one another. <laughs>made it this far into the show it means you liked the show this was like an 80 minute episode and if you're at this point where you're listening to the nintendo wii background music please share the show with somebody tell your friend to watch it post about it on social media subscribe to it on spotify subscribe to it on apple music subscribe to it on all this shit i'm trying to be like a bigger podcast you know i've been coy I spent two seasons not, like, being like, yo, fucking put me on, guys. But now, like, the show is free. Put me on, all right? Tell people about it. Share it. This season's got bangers after bangers. It's got running jokes. It's got, you're going to hear the same sounds, and you'll be like, oh, I know what those sounds mean. The shit is well thought out. And to the people of the year 2100, fuck you. I'm dead. Who gives a fuck what you think?